listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you the podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people who are just starting out in their career, who are in transition or who might be stuck, and giving them access to these stories so that they might be able to move forward in their life or in their career. Today, I'm very excited to be with my friend Bridget Aids, and I asked Bridget here today to actually interview me. Uh, some yeah. of my listeners had asked, well, what's your story, Kathy, and why did you start the podcast? And, oh, by the way, what have you been learning with the podcast? What are some of the key themes, etc.? So I thought it might be fun then to, instead of me just getting on here and talking about all those things, to invite someone who has her own YouTube channel yeah. and does interviews all the time, and yes. her channel is called Bridgeting the Gap, and have her do the interview today. So... Thank you so much for being here and doing oh, this. Oh, you are so welcome, Kathy. I'm I'm absolutely honored to do this, and why your audience is so lucky to have you. Oh well, thank no, you. really, you're you know you are the success story that so many people desire but very rarely accomplish, and that is coming from the corporate world and making it as a successful entrepreneur. I'm very proud of you. Oh well, thank you. I and am. being a serial entrepreneur that you are, that <laughs> yeah, is no that, that compliment. Is, <laughs> no, and I don't compliment. Freely, either yeah. believe me, but no, you are you are true joy and and somebody I can truly say is a friend. Aww. So well, thank you. Yes, you thank you. And you make awesome greeting cards, by yeah. the way. Oh, I, I love my greeting card. She made the coolest card for me. So, but anyway, so Kathy, it's about you today. It is. I yes. know. I'm not used to being in this seat. Yes. So I have a couple of icebreaker questions for you, if okay. you don't mind. I'm ready. One of them is, uh, tell me a little bit about, like, where were you born, where were you brought up, and where do you rank if you, do you have siblings, and where do you mm-hmm. rank in them? So, uh, I have two sisters. I All am right. the middle child, and I'm exactly in the middle. My sisters are born three years to the day. What? Um, yeah. Born on the same day, March 12th, and yes, and I'm right in the middle of that. So. No! So, as a... Um, uh, as a middle child, I would say that really influenced me because I was drawn toward the oldest for, you know, playing with her. And then I was drawn toward the youngest. And then I was kind of this mediator. So if dad would come in and say, well, who's going to take out the trash? I'm like, I would just go do it because it would be easier than <laughs> trying to wait it out because I knew they were both waiting it out. So I would just go do it. So I think as a middle oh, child, wow. That really influenced me. Uh, we grew up in Elizabeth, Colorado. Oh, okay. Uh, right outside of Parker. 40 acres. Um, my dad oh. wanted to build his own home. And so at the age of like 28, he and my mom buy property, 40 acres, and start building their own home. And so with when they got the money, because there wasn't really credit cards back there, so when they got the money and he had the time because he was working full time, he would then be out working on the property, and we would be out working on the oh, property. Oh, yeah. So, so you know how to, you started work ethics at a young age. At a very young age, yes. yes. And then. And for dad, that's not easy working for no. your dad. Nope, got it. <laughs> Understand that one. Yes. Yeah. So that, it, yeah, it was, taught us work ethic. But it also taught me, I think, something that I didn't really understand until later in life is uh, we then started living in the house before it was built. So while it was being built. So oh, the for, winter months. So for many years we had rugs on the floor. We didn't. It was on subfloor. We didn't have carpet. We didn't have flooring. We didn't have doors. We had you know kind of sheets that hung as doors. Oh. We had just drywall. So it was a an environment where um, but a lot of love and we had always say food. so you know we have we thought of it as an adventure and you don't realize that you don't ha- that you're different. <laughs> 
until you go to someone else's house and then you're like, oh, they have like wallpaper, wallpaper and mold, <laughs> crown molding and they have doors and yeah. So this is, yeah. So it was, yeah. So, but that's also, so you understand hard work and completion. Yes. Yes. I think those things did come about, even though I don't know that again, I knew that right was an ethic or a value until I got. So being the middle child, which is hard for me to imagine when I'm the oldest, but did you learn different qualities? Does each sister have a different quality that you learned from them? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you know, because we did have to come up with our own identity, right? So, uh, yes. So, oldest sister, very extroverted, um, knew what she wanted. Uh, I felt like she was on a trajectory of, you know, this is and going on places and always doing something and leading. Okay. Uh, younger sister, super smart. Uh, in fact, skipped a grade, skipped oh, the fifth grade. One of those. Went right to yeah. sixth grade. So she was, you know, known as the smart one. And then okay. they were asking me, well, well, they probably could have had her skip two grades, but th- that would have put her in my grade. Oh, that. And then yeah. they didn't want to do that from a social perspective. Okay. And all that. So anyway, so then, um, so yeah, she was the smart one. The other one was probably the driver, the leader. And then there was me. I was probably the athletic. I, I think that was okay. my identity was the what athletic did you, What one. sports were you in? Uh, I was a gymnast. I ran track. My big goal was to run track, but they didn't have track at the age that I wanted. So that's when I started gymnastics, which I loved and excelled at. And then, um, and then I played, started playing volleyball in junior high and then, and you still play volleyball. I still play volleyball. So I ran track all through high school, played volleyball all through high school. And then, um, gymnastics, I had to stop. It was when we were in Elizabeth, it was just a small club. Oh yeah. And I never really competed in a meet, but I did. Um, I feel like developed some decent skills, but I, I did have to quit that. So Okay, quickly. Musical instruments. Uh, play the piano. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, my dad was very adamant that all three of us had to play an instrument. And, yeah, piano was what he selected and do for me. Now, I didn't do really you select. Even, do you even play any piano? Actually, now? I do. Of the three of us, I'm the only one that still plays the instrument. What? Okay. And I Good to know. Beautiful baby grand piano, and oh. it's you know, and it's also a wonderful you know addition of furniture to the, to oh, the house. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it is. Okay, and a fun factor of one to five. <laughs> What's Kathy Lawless? <laughs> well, I, I got to put me at a five. Um, I think so. <laughs> I am the director of entertainment for our family when we go to Lake McConaughey. <laughs> um, I you know I'm always the one trying to bring. Well, what is the fun factor that you can bring to a meeting to a conference? To a family event, to a party, even. Oh, so that's cool. I don't cool. necessarily have to be the life of the party, um, but I like um, going to parties. I like being around my friends and family. Uh, but I also, uh, yeah, I'm always looking for that element of fun. It's your happy place yeah. where you could be around others. Yeah. Yes, very much so. So, what about risk on a scale of one to five? Where are you on the risk meter? I'm going with 4.2. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> very specific. What is that all about? Well, what's what is missing from the point two to five? Well, so um, well, because I, I I don't know I don't always feel like I jump. You're cautious. I'm cautious. So I'm cautious, but I'm a cautious risk. I guess what I'm thinking about a risk taker is the fact that I did leave a corporate environment I was and say, a corporate yeah. culture and something I had been in for 20 plus years and worked very hard for something I was successful in. I knew how to navigate it. Yep. I knew how to make things work. And yet, um, 
I left that to become an entrepreneur. I left that to become a consultant and then on to be an entrepreneur. And there wasn't this master plan to do that. It just kind of, that was the next logical thing. So, right. Uh, but I've also done a fair amount of um, personal reflection, self-development, things of that nature oh, to really yeah. look at what is it that I want in life and how how do I go about getting that? Oh, it's so not just Kathy. staying on that same path yeah. of, oh, well, I'm, you know, this is, uh, you know, I'm a vice president and this, you know, not looking at my identity as I'm a vice president or what I'm Good doing as much as looking at my identity as, you know, what are the possibilities, who I am as a possibility, how do I show up in the world, that type of a thing. So, so you're cautious, but you're smart about it, you know, and I think, I think you're a five. You just, you're just afraid to say yeah, it all the way. I probably am. You know, um, yeah. but you're cautious and you probably get that from being the middle child. You want to look at both sides of it. You know, it's funny. It's not until you just mentioned that, that I think that's been a part of, um, a big part of my life for me is I didn't know what I wanted because I always did what they wanted. Because it was like, well, old, well, let's go do this. Okay, I'll go do that because I didn't have anything you know else what? in mind. Or, Absolutely. Let's go do this uh-huh. with the younger. Let's go do this because this sounds like fun. And then, yeah. So, and me being the oldest, I just led and went for Yeah, it. you just went so for it. So I knew. really do believe that there's something to say about that. Mm-hmm. And How I didn't cool know. So I that? kind of went along. So All right. So describing what you're doing today, and um, we'll go back to how did you get there. But tell us a little bit about what you're doing today. So today I am a life story curator. And what that means is I I help people move their memories from the basement to the coffee table. And I'm all about capturing and celebrating life and career stories. And so, um, you know, I, I capture their stories either through photo books or through video. Or now I recently launched where I'm incorporating video into photo books wow. with QR codes. So it's very fun to bring these stories to life. So... Uh, so I haven't always been a life story curator, but I did find that I've always been a storyteller. And so this is kind of a natural evolution from when I was in corporate. Wow. When I was leading projects and teams, I was always compelled to, how do we celebrate at the end before everybody moves on? And I usually celebrated by telling the story of, you know, how did the project get started? Who was on the team? What were the challenges? What did we really accomplish? So, you know, making sure that that was recognizing the team members, etc. So I had this kind of way of making it a fun, I had to add fun in there, Yes, right? of course. A fun way to So Kathy, when you were when you were growing up, did you find yourself interested in grandma and grandpa's stories or family stories? Were you just like, would sit there and just listen to stories from family? Because, you know, they didn't have a lot of TV back then. You literally sat around and talked as a family. Were you fascinated with family stories? You know, I'm not sure that that's where it started as much. I remember um, when we would go to see my grandparents in North Dakota because we weren't around them all the time. Right. Um, Yeah, Grandpa had some great stories, and I really enjoyed that. But but back to Grandma and Grandpa and family, um, that's really what compelled me is they were celebrating their 75th. 75 years of marriage, wedding anniversary. I know, I always have to kind of pause on 75 years. So they were in their early 90s. That woman was with the same man for 75 years. She is in heaven right now. (laughs) They're both in heaven right now. They're both, well, that's true. But I was compelled that how do we really take these two people and they created 
um, six kids and 16 yeah. grandkids. And at the time of the celebration, 34 grandkids. I'm like, how do we... How do you put that together? How do you put that all together? So um, I was just... I kept calling my mom. What are we going to do? We're going to North Dakota for this big event. So I just put together like a list on, you know, it was like a Word, yeah. word document that says right. in the 1930s, this is what they did. In the 1940s, you know, this, they had so these So did you research and, all this? So, and mom happened to have grandma's little notebooks that had things oh my like God. when they got electricity Priceless. on the farm. Oh, stop. When my uncle had his tonsils like out. Like her journal. Like yeah, her little, journal. just little tiny notebooks. And you then, guys, can you imagine how priceless that is? So I put that together, and then it was, well, we kind of need to put it in context of, well, what was else was going on in the 30s, the 40s. Oh, like at the time. At the time. So then it was the taking depression. the 30s, the Depression, and, you know, what wars, people coming back from the wars, what was going on in the United States, except. So I, I kind of put have... that all together, and then ultimately put pictures with it. And, I mean, it was it was such a fun way for my cousins and aunt and uncles to really kind of contribute their pieces. And, it anyway, Oh, it was, my God. And, Kathy, and that's that was, what you do now for people. Well, yeah. So, it started as a hobby. And then then I kind of... So, it started as a hobby, but it also started as part of what I was doing for my work and telling stories. And now I've kind of put it all together, which makes sense now when I talk about it. But at right. the time that it was you happening, didn't know, I you, didn't know. You know yeah. what? Yeah. You, isn't it funny how life experiences get you ready for your next chapter without you even realizing yeah. it? Isn't that interesting? Because, oh, wow. Okay. okay. We can spend hours <laughs> on that one. So I want to ask you a question, something a lot of people really don't think about. What did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this answer for myself. Um, I had no idea. Huh. My... Again, my older sister knew exactly okay. what she wanted, wanted to be in business. Um, younger sister was younger, so I didn't really ask her what she wanted to do. But, you know, parents were asking me, what do you want to do? So I never had that dream of, oh, I want to be a gymnast or I want... I was very day-to-day. -day. I um, not been a real visionary ever. So I remember finishing high school going, well, I'll just get a job. And I knew how to type, so I got a job at a typesetter, as a typesetter uh, at a print shop. Whoa. And, That's not easy. And it was um, working at nights. So my plan was I would work nights so that I could have the day off to hang out with my friend Lori, who had a <laughs> pool in her backyard. What priorities? Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even think about it. I might need to sleep in there somewhere. So that was the failure to that plan. Well, I always just say is we'll have plenty of time to sleep when we take our last yeah. breath. Yeah. I gotcha. So, uh, so I started out as a typesetter, and then very quickly in that business, I started to raise rise into the ranks of a, a foreman of their pre-press shop. Wow. And, um, you know, I'm very young at this point. I had been working at the Dairy Queen, and at the Dairy Queen, the same thing happened. I was very responsible, um, very service-oriented. So I just, you know, I was in charge of the cash register. I was in charge of closing. Wow. They didn't That's really a have big a responsibility but as I was, a teen. I was trustworthy, and yes. I showed up, and I was reliable. Wow. Um, so... Then I, you know, so I was a typesetter and then in that print shop and then that print shop moved and I didn't want to move with them. So mm -hmm. I got a job at a newspaper, which was Sentinel Newspapers. I don't know if you're familiar with Sentinel Newspapers. I do remember them. They are, you know, all over the Metro District and it was, you know, I took that typesetting press, pre-press management role and I ended up being their pre-press supervisor. So at the age of, gosh, how, I think I was 24 or 25 and I had a team of 19 um, that I was wow. running in the pre-press shop for Sentinel newspapers that ran the Western, um, the West newspapers. That unfortunately was really bad hours. I worked ten to ten Monday oh. through Friday. Oh, which is no fun for someone now, at that age. How old are you at this age? I was like twenty-six. 
Yeah, this is no fun. This, no. no fun. And the fun factor, no fun. Yeah. Uh, so finally, I decide to reach out and ask for help, and I called my sister, who was working at American Express. Now, is this going to be your older sister? Older sister. And I'm like, can you get me a job? And she called me back like two hours later and said, do you have an interview tomorrow morning? Oh, jerk off. And I'm like, what? what? I'm ready. They were, yes, absolutely. They were looking for a supervisor of MoneyGram operations at the time, and... Because of my management experience and internally, no one had applied for this job. She didn't tell me why and didn't understand why until I got there. I knew <laughs> but um, so I applied for this job. I went through way more interviews than a normal candidate, I think, because um, of the nepotism and being a sister. Yeah, I and, did appreciate and that. And she was already a supervisor of their official tech product. I would be coming in as a supervisor of you know this other product. So, um, but anyway, I got the job, and I got to tell you right away, it fit being in corporate. It just fit. It fit really well. I love the hours. I love the people. I love the work. I love the learning of it. I Um, bet you love the hours after 10 to 10. Yeah. And, um, and I love that they were investing in the development of their people. There was all kinds of, I never had any supervisory training. They gave us supervisory and leadership training. How cool is that? Um, and that was really, so anyway, so then American Express IPO'd uh, this division we were in as uh, first data. Two years oh, after goodness. I had been there. So okay. I started at American Express, but then I, I ended this part of my journey, uh, which ended up being 20 years at uh, First Data. Wow. Yeah. But I would say I had probably 12 different careers while I was there. So I started as a supervisor and wow. then just worked my, you know, I, I kind of You weren't that. afraid to, to move somewhere. You weren't afraid to take risks. You know, I wasn't. And, you know, it's funny at the time, yes. they didn't feel like risks. They just felt like, well, what's next? What's, what's next? the next right. opportunity? And... Um, so for example, I was a supervisor and then they asked if I would, and I had been through some of these trainings and I just, they, I was eating them up because I hadn't, hadn't had any, but I had been leading t- people for, you know, five or six years. And now I had this insight on how and it's I could exciting do it training. Yeah. It's exciting training. So they asked if I would actually do the training because it would have a lot of credibility coming from a fellow supervisor oh. than just coming from the training department. Got it. So I'm like, Oh, I'm honored. Oh sure. I'm so excited. <laughs> It doesn't hit me until I'm like two blocks away from the class that morning that this means I'm going to do presentations. Oh. Which, oh. yeah. So I swear to God, I'm driving there and I'm like, oh no. Oh. I mean, it finally hits me. I'm going to be training on how to be a trainer. And I mean, I, I literally, I was like, trained. Oh. And, I, and I'm like, do I turn in and go to this or do I call in sick? Do, yeah. And I committed and I'm already oh. there. So I decided to do it. And, and how'd you do? And I did fantastic. You did? Oh. That was awesome. I'm nervous, oh. you know. But oh, Kathy, I can only imagine. Just like all of us will say in life, right? Yes. The things that scare you but that you go ahead and do will, you know, pay Catapult off. You. Yeah, yeah, they, they totally. So I love your story. I want to come back a little bit to... Can you let our audience know today, what were some of the setbacks and how did you grow through those setbacks? Because I know that you loved your career, but there had to have been things where you just scratched your head and said, what happened? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, So I think initially in my career, I got a lot of um, opportunities coming down. Oh yeah, be a trainer for this. Yeah. Um, Now we want, you know, can you, would you want to take on this assignment, that assignment? So there was a lot of opportunities that came to me and a lot of yeses. So this worked good for me, right? Because I didn't know what I wanted. So I was just saying yes to things. Okay. And therefore more opportunities came. But at some point that dried up and I had to choose what I really wanted. Oh. And that 
you know, that worked out okay, but I, you know, but it was a bit of a fear factor. And then I started getting into my own head ah. a little bit about that. Uh, one of the choices I made was about, did I want to continue running a particular department where I was on the apology tour for about three to five years? <laughs> like, we're really sorry. We're not done with this. Yes. We're not with this, yes. This, yes. this project. I know yes. we said this was going to be transparent and it's oh. not. And yeah. And I was on the apology tour. Did you struggle tour. at all? Can I ask this question? Did you struggle worrying about your credibility? Even though you know what really wasn't all on you? Oh, absolutely. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Because you're very much about your credibility. I, I took it, you know, yeah, because my word was when your I went word. out and said, yeah. this is how we're going to implement and these are the processes we have in place. And oh, by the way, I'm responsible for these processes and then they didn't work. Now I'm responsible oh. for these processes, but not all of them fell under my authority. So yeah, I'm speaking on behalf yeah. of the oh, organization. It was it was it was very difficult, and then to go humbling, back for sure, humbling, and then to then work with my colleagues too to say, well, okay, I'm the one going out there. How are we going to make sure that it's not just my word? And how did you keep your team motivated? I mean, that had to have been hard, Kathy. When you know you didn't just miss the dates, your team did too. Yeah. So our teams did, and then our team was the client facing one. Oh, um, it was good Lord. Yeah, it was a series Oof. of, um, again, we call it the flashes for you. It was oh. not, not an easy time. Um, yeah. so, uh, anyway, so a new leader comes in and he has a new idea about how he wants to run things and he wants to make major changes, uh -oh. which I didn't really agree with, but I, you know, he's the new leader. So, right. and he asked me if I wanted to keep running that show and be part of the change or if I wanted to run special projects. Okay. So I chose to run special projects because ah. I was kind of burned out. And it was the best decision I made and I think best for the company because he brought in this change agent that was amazing. And she, yeah, you know, I, I think the change agents, it just, she was like, got it done in six months. She didn't have to worry about longstanding relationships. It was all about the goal. Um, there were no emotions there yeah, for her. Yeah, for her, she was just, we've got to get this done and this is why. She made it very fair for everybody. It was amazing to watch. And I got to oh, be, wow. uh, you know, watching part of that while I was also doing, um, you know, some pretty special projects. Right. Where the setback started for me, though, was on the special project side was not feeling um, as much as I was involved in all the other things. And I remember going to staff meetings and everybody's got oh. all these inside. And, and my head is, I'm not up there. Yeah. I, I'm not good enough. I'll listen to, to, you know, Vanessa always has the best insight and ideas. And then here's Hayden over here. And oh my God, he's a game changer. And he's always bringing new oh. ideas. And what am I bringing? And I'm next thing I know my head, I'm in such in my head that yeah. I can. So I, the good news is I had a really, uh, Great timing that I had this leadership program that I went to that was all about character. It wasn't about any skills because I didn't need skills at that point. What I needed right. was who am I and what am I bringing. It was what did more that class do for you? What did you get out of that class that helped you stop self sabotaging yourself? How did you? What did that class do for you? It was a um, a ten month project class. So you meant like no. every six weeks. So this wasn't okay. like a one and done thing because it no. and it's not meant to be. I mean, because when you're looking at your character and who you are as a leader, Ooh. it isn't about it's hard. Yeah, and it's about long term and really reflecting and diving into a lot of different areas. There was mm. different personality tests that we did. There was ways that we looked at power and how we dealt with power. There was ways we looked at the global world and how we, how we were looking at the global world, how we fit in. I mean, it was really powerful, but the biggest part was you had to have a project and their whole philosophy was what would make you 2% better? Just 2%. You're already 98% awesome. 
what would make you 2% better? So this isn't about fixing or anything like right. that. It was really... It was about you. So what's your 2% project? So and then it, so it makes you feel like, oh, it's just a little thing. But then again, it was such a big thing because my 2% project was how do I dial down that critic in my head? Uh, oh, Kathy. And so everybody, part of it everybody is, oh, yeah. listening to this today... <laughs> Everybody has two critics, one on the left shoulder, one on the right shoulder, maybe three, one in the brain. Yeah. Yes. So, well, I know this is taking us somewhere else, but I think this is really a pivotal moment for your mm -hmm. audience. What did you learn that you had to do? Was there a process that you had to do in your brain to stop this? What did you finally have to do? What advice would you give an entrepreneur that's doubting themselves? This, so the biggest part is to pay attention to the voice just when it's happening. And there's, so there's an awareness and that okay. that voice isn't you and that you can reprogram that voice. Ah, um, you can choose not to listen to it. You can choose to thank it and then choose to select another voice. And that other voice could be, you got this. You've always been successful. You know what you're doing. Not everybody knows the answer to this. You, you know, what are the decision points? Have you asked the right questions? I mean, it, it starts to get you in the mindset of um, being more objective versus the okay. subjective. But the biggest part is that know when all of a sudden that little critic shows up yeah. and, and acknowledging and recognizing that I'm not going to listen to that today. And you know, Kathy, that critic could be good for you too. It, it could keep you in check. But don't let it run everything. Yes. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, and also, too, you know, call up. When you start having those voices, call somebody up, you know, call up somebody that you want to aspire to be. You know, have you ever found yourself feeling this way? Have you ever found yourself doubting yourself? Right? Yeah. So you call up for help, too. That's brilliant. Yeah. Love it. I will say that in, in that class, too, you were part of a team. Um, so that helped, you know, we, you know, there was teammates that helped us, but yeah. then I also realized, and I did this a lot in corporate was, um, how do I have trusted advisors that I could talk to about certain things? And then it, once you start talking to people about the voice and find out that other people have the that voice, voice. <laughs> and you're not the only one with the voice and how do they deal with the yeah. voice? I mean, oh, it really no. starts, so it really starts that's to change awesome. things. So, Kathy, I could spend an hour just talking about your story. I want to fast forward a little bit and explain, because I think one of the toughest decisions to make is to leave corporate and go into entrepreneurship. I personally think so, because entrepreneurship, as you would agree, is the hardest thing you can do. I think it's single-handedly the hardest thing you could do. I would like to know, what, was your pro what, what brought you to the point where you need to make a decision? How did you make your decision? And... Why did you choose the business you're in? I know wow. that's three big questions, yeah. but I really want to know that. So do you need me to repeat them or do you no, got it? No, I think I got it. Okay. So it's interesting. You'd also ask me about my two sisters and how... So oldest one was went into corporate. Corporate knew what she wanted. Youngest one... Smart. Ended up being an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I remember... What? I ended up oh. being in, in corporate, not in, in big business, but then I followed my oldest sister. Okay. And we both commented on we did not have the entrepreneurial gene. We liked that we had, we knew what our roles were. We knew what the kind of the corporate ladder was, even though it's very frustrating to navigate the politics and the corporate ladder oh, and influence it, without authority and all the things that go with But you know, that's that, still an entrepreneurship too. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> so you, we, and we were successful in that way. So we kept commenting that that was a good fit for us. But we also saw our younger sister going, well, that's a great fit for her. Now, what did your younger sister do? What did she do as an entrepreneur, real quick? Um, she had started in some small businesses and just being super smart, you know, started out as, um, 
you know, like in just at the very beginning of receptions, but then ended up taking on and learning Excel spreadsheets and then being an advisor and project management and then number two in charge. And so she always oh, just sure. ended okay. up being on her own, you know, kind of leading with them. And then she got into the motorsports yeah. business and became a consultant on a certain, um, accounts receivable system and sales oh tool God. and all oh, that and goodness and learned it and then helped you know these motorsport companies implement wow so did that all herself so so um, now the day comes you're you're thinking of entrepreneurship what does that day look like for you uh still not on my radar what happened first was i ended up um taking a severance package through my corporate job okay which i had survived many of the layoffs, layoffs and downsizing and all of the things you want to call them and each one you're and, like foof. <laughs> uh, kind of foof, but also hey i landed over here and this is great the last one i landed over here and it's not so great and i could see the writing and it just was continuing okay. to be more so i uh took the package and was very excited with that at the time, I was in a mentoring circle, which was a great support system. Um, I was a Catalyst mentor. So was we that were... from your work? Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, it was part of another organization, another leadership organization. Oh, okay. I I, sorry of. for interrupting. I was but like, it, what, what, what was no, that? No, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, so it was a mentoring circle, which is really designed to bring leaders together and learn from each other, not from advice, but through storytelling. So this kind of plays into oh. my, you know, my storytelling, right? okay. which was, it was very impactful for me because... It was all about, well, what challenge am I facing or anyone in the group facing? And then who has a story that's similar to that? So tell us what happened in your story, what you did, what worked and what didn't. Not because it's easy to give someone advice. Well, you need to march in there and yeah. do blah, blah, blah. Well, you don't know if that's going to work. Well, Kathy, and also nobody wants to hear what you need. Yeah, what you need to Because if you, anybody has that ugly twin that goes, don't tell me what I need. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. But if you hear yeah. someone's story, story and you go, oh, uh, well. Their, their situation sounds somewhat similar, and they tried X, and it yeah, worked. Or they yeah. tried X, and it didn't work, so maybe I shouldn't try X. My situation's different. Maybe X will work. So you, you have this different perspective, but it was, it was a very uh, interesting dynamic between the group and the confidence. But the, the power, and, and yeah, it was just a tremendous learning experience. So, so that was going on at the same time. And I remember one of the gals in there worked for a company that did transition services. They, you know... Companies outsource to companies like Lee Heck Harrison. Oh, right to help you find. To help you find. So they coach you on how to rewrite a resume. Maybe you haven't done that in a while. They coach you on how to have a commercial. They coach you on how to not be bitter about what and that. Because you would be surprised <laughs> oh, at how the bitterness just kind of comes out. All of a sudden, you're like, I was in the middle of telling about how great I was, and the bitterness came out. Where did that come from? But yeah. Anyway, one of the gals in there, this was her job, and she said to me that. Um, she thought she was so glad I chose the route that I did, which was to leave because she said many people choose to stay sometimes and then they can't get over the bitterness, the, the bitterness. And that shows up at work. And then that shows up and they think, well, I'll stay, keep my job and find another job, but it's just, it isn't not possible. But anyway, so that's, it's funny how the lessons learned just in that mentoring yeah, circle just yeah. continue to come around. So after that I did, I, I actually looked for a full-time job and back in corporate was not successful. This was 2010, 2011, 12. So okay, the economy's kinda, still not really we're still, thriving. We're still, com we're still coming up. Yeah. Um, then I started consulting 
it, back in the same skill set that I had, which was change management, program management. And I got placed, I was working for a company that placed you in pla- you know, as a consultant, and I got placed back in Western Union and First Data, which were part of oh, the Oh, for company, goodness sakes. Which was fine with me, because <laughs> it was for an old boss, and no, but I, I love working that, with her. But, but and, see, that you left on good terms. You were Yeah, left on good terms, but also... You never know when things come around again. It's That's funny right. how those same companies, though, yep. they still need those kind of roles, but yes. now, but they don't want them as full-time roles. No. And I get that. Yeah. I totally get that. So I did consulting for a bit, and then as my consulting gigs wrapped... I had the opportunity to be a um, to be an interim CEO and president for this women's leadership program that I had right. been on the board. Uh, so it wasn't a program; it was an organization. And so I thought, wow, I haven't been in the CEO seat; I've been in the vice president seat. So even though it was an interim role, it was something I wanted to experience. So I I jumped into that role, and and that was fun. Um, got me back in a team environment, oh. uh, leading people, leading a cause. I was very powerful. I was very excited about that. And then um, uh, I, I had wanted to to get the full time role if I could because once I at first I said no, I'll just do interim. And then once I got in, I'm like, no, this is cool. I think it's a good fit. Um, they didn't think it was a good fit. They had another candidate in mind, okay. so that was fine. I, I yeah. finished out my my term there, and then I needed to create white space for myself to figure out what to do next. And it was at that point... What is white space? A lot of people might not understand Um, I know it is, but... I needed just free time to think and to be. Good. And when you're... I was on the board of that organization, and when you're on the board or you're doing other things, you're busy. You're busy with all this. All of a sudden, I kind of stopped everything, and I was no longer busy. Which then is... You know, allows you the free time, but it's hard to budget free time. It kind of... It's kind of freaky. Um, if you've never had that, and if you like to be busy, well, um, you don't feel valued. No, and or relevant, or relevant, or and the, my does biggest anybody fear care is not about being me? relevant. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Does anybody know it. I'm out here? <laughs> Hello, yeah. Yeah, anyone? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you can only do so many coffee dates before you're about ready. To yeah, just, yeah. So you're there, and now are you thinking? I mean, how did you get into s- storytelling? I mean, how, what what the heck? Well, it had been, I had done it for my, my grandparents' yes, anniversary. Yes. And at the same time, my friend's parents were celebrating their 65th okay. wedding. So we did a book for them. All right. And then um, I was working with my husband to do one for his parents. And so I just started thinking, how do I take what I love to yes. do and maybe make it into, the, in, into a business? And so I was talking to people about it kind of in that way. Well, what do you think? I don't know. I'm kind of sort of thinking about this. And then I read a book, How to Be a Badass. No, I'm sorry. I read the book, You Are a Badass, a badass. Yeah. How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Live oh. an Awesome Life. And I was like, oh. And right away, <laughs> it kicked my butt. It kicked me in the butt about what's your language. And I was looking for validation versus I was really saying this oh. is what I'm going to do or that I even want to do. I was kind of in that kind of sort of way. And so I right away was like, and it had been enough time that I'm like, no, I'm doing this. And I finally, so once wow. I declared I was doing it. Then this business consultant comes recommended to me from someone very credible that I'm like, wow. And this is that amazing. Yeah, the universe provides, it, right? It, yes, it does. I you had, can't argue it. I had no name. I had no, I didn't even know what to do to, to start a business, right? Because I've been in business for 25 years, right. but I haven't really been an entrepreneur right. or starting yes. a business. So, um, and I was kind of afraid of it. Because, like I said, my older sister and I went one path, younger went another, and I saw the younger and the challenges she faced and the struggles and all of that. So, anyhow, to fast forward, this consultant was amazing. In 90 days, I had a new name. I had a name. I had process. I had pricing. I had tools. I had a website. 
And now I'm selling, which was really scary because it's not the easiest in my mind. Yeah. It should take a year to launch a business. I don't know why. And she's like, no, it's 90 days. And we got it done in 90 days. And so, you know, and now you're doing it. You got a little bit of a shift there, didn't you? And so then I just started doing it. And then, then I started experiencing the fear and the craziness of being an entrepreneur and being in your own studio by yourself. Yeah. When I was in corporate, I was around people so much that I was more of an introvert that I needed to get my energy away from people. Now I'm all of a sudden an entrepreneur and I'm recognizing how much oh, of an extrovert I am and yeah. that I need people for energy. And so I need to have coffees and I need to have meetings and I need yeah. to, how do I keep moving that forward? So, so yeah, this entrepreneurial journey has been one of the hardest things that I've done. Um, such a big shift. And, you know, the highs and lows of it the first year were this big. You know, they were huge. Oh, someone said yes. And then they never four days through. later, they, <laughs> oh, my husband got laid off. And therefore, I can't do it after all. And then, but so down in the dumps yes. I went. And then back up because someone else said yes. And then back and down. And then it was, and oh. now I'm three years in. Wow. And, I can't believe it's three years already. And yet. I know it's three years because LinkedIn told me that it was my three-year three anniversary. Okay. <laughs> and, um, but it's, uh, it's so, I'm in such a different space now because you kind of have enough data points, right, right, about what is normal, what how things move forward. You don't get too excited. You go, don't get too bummed out about things. I mean, I think that's a big part of it. But uh, But it's also about how do I keep finding ways to improve myself how can I right. keep Don't finding? Ever stop. Yeah, just ways to be creative and keep improving my products and my services and what I offer people, and I just keep bringing that energy, and it's it's working for me. So. Kathy, where do you see your business in five years? Well, on any given day, <laughs> it could be in a loft downtown, uh, you know, with a team of like oh. fifteen or twenty people, you know, and we're all all out there. Oh, I've got this story we're working on. We got this project. We got with you know, storyboards. Yeah, storyboards all over all the place. Over. No photographs, just storyboards. Just storyboards everywhere, and everybody's moving about who we're oh. interviewing. And then on 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 other days, it's like I really have no idea. <laughs> you know, it, but that's okay. So yeah, it's there's there's sometimes there's the dream, and then there's sometimes there's the the you know the fear factor of well how what what is going to be that next big project or or next just even project and and anyway but it's fun and it's exciting and I have met so many amazing people yes. like yourself well, through I had to really change my network yes and um, change how I think about myself what my identity is um, and the, and just the possibilities of my life how I how I view success. Uh, there's there's so much that I've reinvented in the last three years. I can't even, it's hard for me to it, talk about it. So. so in closing, I'd like to ask you a question. How have you changed as a person working for yourself? You, Kathy, how has Kathy changed as a person? How has Kathy changed? Um, well, I've, um, that voice is so distant now, I got to oh, tell you. Oh, wow. Good for and you. And a big part of that is uh, one of the things that I've discovered in just in the last three months is that I am a growth enthusiast. The first time this term was introduced to me is actually that I was a growth junkie, and that's what this person loved about me. And then junkie made me feel like that was more of a negative term. Even though yeah. he, he said it in a very positive way. Yes, of way. course. Yeah. Um, but I started really stepping in and embracing 
this thought that I'm a growth enthusiast. Um, and I am. And so this last year too, I've been investing in myself. I've um, been um, doing this program through Landmark Education. Oh, I don't Landmark. know if you're familiar oh, very, with Landmark. It's an amazing organization. So I did the forum in January, wow. a seminar January through May, and then I did the advanced course, and then Ooh. I just finished the self-expression and leadership program. Okay, you guys, for those of you that don't know, that's a big deal. It, it's, it's it's a big deal. So a it's lot been of work. a year journey, and it's wow. and it's one of those programs that like I think a lot of any learning or transformation program, they're not fun, but they're oh, no. so fun to look within inside it's yourself. So enlightening, right? Yes. And so there's been breakdowns, but with each breakdown comes a breakthrough, and you kind of move to this next place. So for me, how I'm different is um, that I'm I'm about so so who I am is the possibility of love, connectedness, and sharing. Wow. And so that's how I'm viewing myself. And if that's how I'm showing up during the day, it is. Then, then that's a different Kathy than, oh, I was the vice president, or I was the interim, yeah. or I'm a life story curator even. This is who I'm showing up as. And so uh, part of this program is also why I started the podcast. So in the self-expression and leadership program, the requirement is that you have a project that... Uh, touches anywhere from 20 to 200 people. Oh my. And so I started, I had been thinking about doing a podcast because yes. I'm so curious about people's stories and journeys and I really want to bring them to life and it just feels, but uh, you know, I was in that, oh, it's in that category of, I'll get to that someday. It's in my, it's in my next phase right. category, but being in this program, then you have to put a plan together and you have to start working it and blah, 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 blah. So um, that's how it got started. I've, um, so far I've interviewed uh, 18 people wow. and published 13 okay. of the interviews. So it's been fascinating. Um, how can people find you? So you can find me on, uh, the podcast is on all the po popular podcast channels. So it's on Apple, it's on Google, but it's also on my website, lifestorycurator.com as a blog. And then, um, and then I'm also posting to Facebook and LinkedIn. And so that, yeah, I think I'm well out there, but you just never know with social media. And your blog name me. is? Uh, the blog name is, the podcast is called How Did I Get Here? And it's all about career stories yes. and how people got to where they are. And, and the point of it is, I think, back to my mentoring circle, you know, how do you share the story so that people can relate? When you share a story, you're more relatable. Yes. People listen. They remember the story. Um, and I think there's also this um, underlying belief that... Uh, Everybody else has it figured out. I mean, I, I remember looking at certain leaders that I had uh, respected and admired as I was coming up the ranks. And I'm like, oh, they got it. They got it all together. And, and they don't. And they don't. <laughs> and they and don't. then you talk to them I and know. you find out that they have fears. Yes. And they didn't get to where they are. And then some I found out. And um, you never looked at them differently. No, I never did. And then, you know, I, I got my um, bachelor's degree. I was working full time and I went to school part time. So I didn't have your typical college experience. But I also, this was another part of me being I'm not enough back in the day, yeah. right, was I didn't have a college degree. So once I got the college degree, I got to tell you, it was like, oh, check the box. I got that now. And then I, I didn't feel inadequate in that way anymore. Okay. And yet, then there's times I would meet these execs. I'm like, well, you don't have a college degree. And then, you know, I look at things like, did, did it really matter? Uh, I had that feeling too because I didn't have a college degree. Well, yeah, yeah, and I don't know how that how you felt about that. that at, you know? at moments, I felt mm -hmm. inferior. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, I I see my kids go to college. I'm like, 
Oh, man, what a great opportunity. But I knew I didn't want to do it, so I was okay. Yeah. So, Kathy, in closing, what are if you could give two suggestions to entrepreneurs or people who might be looking at becoming an entrepreneur, what would the two suggestions be? Well, if you're coming from corporate... <laughs> It's a, a wild call. ride. Give her a call. Give me a yeah. call. Uh, it is so different. In fact, I'm. I'm. Uh, you have to find. You have to find your zone and what's going to make you work well. So, for example, I found this group. It's a peer advisory group, and um, so at certain different times, I told you about the business coach I had to mm-hmm. launch, and then there was other coaches that I tapped into when I needed help because I knew I needed. You know, entrepreneur. So you surround coaching. yourself with others. So that I surrounded knew what myself doing. with these coaches. But then I also recognized that this one gal offered a peer advisory board, which meant five or six of us as entrepreneurs with were with her as a facilitator, and we were a mastermind group. And oh, I was wow. really drawn to that because it gave me more of a tribe. And it gave me Absolutely. more of that team feel. I'm helping solve some of their challenges. They're helping me solve mine. So then I'm not just so focused on my own stuff, which can be just, I, I get exhausted. And you probably learned more so. from them. Oh, totally. So uh, yeah, they're right? further, some are further yeah. along and they yeah. come in with a challenge about, well, how am I going to grow and hire someone? And I'm thinking, wow, I haven't even hired anyone yet. So I'm, you know, cataloging all of that. Yes. And then others are coming up behind. So there's one gal who just started in our group and she's coming from corporate and she's like, I should just go get a job. This is so hard. I should just go get a job. I'm not making enough money. And the, the money goes like this and the product. And I'm like, you know, welcome to yeah. entrepreneur. This is the nature of it. And and some are cut out for this and some aren't. So I'm, I may not be the best coacher, but I'm a good listener. No. Uh, right. But it's like, you know, you need, this is reality. Um, but the other positive for her is that she's getting paid speaking gigs. I mean, how many people in their first year, not many, many start out doing no. free speaking gigs in order to kind of promote themselves and get themselves credible. So there's all these things that she's doing wonderfully. So anyway, so I feel like I'm giving Good. Helping out as well as, you know, I'm getting at the same time. So so that would be one thing is find your tribe and find help. Um, the other part of it is um, I spend probably 80 to 90% of my time on sales and marketing and networking and probably 10 or 20% of my time doing my thing. And so that's another realization is that if yeah. you really want to do People your thing. People aren't lined up for you. No, you no, you got to get them lined up. You didn't get an and then, sign on the outside of your yeah. house or anything. There's not a line no. around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's just this mode of um, how do you, how do you stay motivated by that? How do you not be afraid of that? So when you talk about risk taker, I think I, you know, I've really grown to be a 4.2, which is I think why I didn't say I was a five because I don't know that I embraced this initially, but now I'm totally embracing it and jumping into it. And I think the podcast is also giving me that um, momentum and that entree to talk to so many people yes, and learn. about their stories and to see, you know, and then those might be going, wait a minute, I've I've enjoyed this reflection process. Should I go deeper and should I get a broader view and, yeah. and really go into my story that way? So, Well, Kathy, I've got to tell you that you are amazing and wonderful in your podcast. I'm just so excited for you. And I hope that your listeners will share this podcast with many others. Even if somebody has a full-time job and they love what they're doing, uh, it might be a dream of theirs. You never know, right? They might have a friend that has a dream of being in their own business. And I hope that they do share this podcast. And I will tell you what I think of you. I think you're courageous brave and just the sweetest person I know and I'm honored to sit here and and interview you and I mean it 
Well, I appreciate you so much on interviewing me. This has been very fun to yes. be this part of it. Um, the, uh, this podcast has really opened my eyes to um, uh, just a few themes of people and their stories. And one is you can't, most of the people said they didn't know what their journey was going to be. And when they were in it, it looked like this zigzag thing. But when you look back, it's been this straight line and it's been an amazing, an amazing journey, but they would have never predicted it and they couldn't have planned it. Yeah. And then the, the other thing that I guess I'm getting out of it is, um, it's about being open to new ideas. It's about being open to opportunities, saying yes to things and trying them on, seeing how they fit. And then partly you'll find, well, this worked, this didn't, I'm going to go this way. And then try a new thing. And then this worked and this didn't, I'm going to go this way. And, you know, and it's so... Pivoting, girlfriend. It, it is. Pivoting. It is you have got pivoting. to learn about pivoting and let go. And uh, so it's it, it's really been interesting. And then one last thing I would say about um, just I've interviewed experienced people in their 40s and 50s, experienced people in their 30s, and then those starting out who are in their 20s. And I will say that almost everyone in their 20s and 30s has a side gig. Oh, yeah. And that's Very not common. something that when I remember starting out in my career. That's my you, perfect audience. Yeah. Well, yeah. As somebody who wants a side gig. And, and yeah. then, so all these young people, mm-hmm. ha- they're like, I have a day job and that's how I'm earning my money. And I realized I needed to go down that route. But now I'm really, you know, diving into my passion and I'm excited about yep. this part. And then we'll see where that goes. And maybe that becomes my new thing at some point, or maybe that just continues to be what I love to do. And it's also giving me my play money or my sense of value in another way. So uh, another been, gig is mm-hmm. huge right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think it's because I think it's for a lot of reasons, but nobody wants to be caught again with just one income. Yeah. Because it's hard, you know, when we went through the times in, what is it, uh, 08 and to 011. Yeah. I mean, we really struggled. There were, I mean, it was a tough couple of years there. I could speak from experience. So, well, Kathy, thank you so much. I appreciate this and I'm honored that you allowed me to interview and I'll let you wrap it up now. All right. Well, thank you so sure. much, Bridget. And listeners, if you like this episode and if you like the the um, podcast in general, please subscribe so that you get notified of new episodes as they're out. They're published on Tuesday mornings. Again, they're on Apple, Google, all the popular podcast channels as well as my website, lifestorycurator.com. So thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.